On this Back to Church Sunday, I want to talk with you about the very two most important stories that you can ever tell your children, all right? The two most important stories to tell your children or your grandchildren. Now, I don't know about you, but there's all kinds of stories that I grew up reading to my children and and stories I read to my grandchildren. All kinds of stories we can tell them, all kinds of stories we can read to them, and I can tell some whoppers. I mean, I can make up some whoppers. The rest of you, you know, telling stories, man, you can make up some good ones. But I want to talk with you about two most important stories. These are the two stories that are more important than anything you can ever tell your kids, and they're found in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 78. Here's what they are. Take a look at what David says. He says, I will open my mouth with a parable. And we can say story. I will utter hidden things, things of old, things which we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation, here it is, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. And why would we do that? So the next generation, take a look at that, the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, And would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. David's saying, I'm going to tell the stories of God to my children. I'm going to tell them the stories of what God has done in my life to the next generation. And why? Because if you do that, you'll not only help your children put their trust in the Lord, but you'll even help their grandchildren put their trust in God as your kids Tell their kids what God has done in their lives. Parents, grandparents, if you want your kids and grandkids to know God and follow God, tell them the stories of what God has done in your lives. Now, when we hear the stories about the Red Sea opening up so the Israelites could cross it, when we hear the stories about the water in the desert that spew out water so the Israelites could drink, When we hear the stories about the the manna that fell from heaven so that they could eat, our minds automatically go, oh yeah, those are Bible stories. Those are Old Testament Bible stories. But listen, when those parents told their children those stories, they were not telling them Bible stories. They didn't have the Bible yet, amen? (laughs) They were simply telling them the stories of what God had done in their lives and about the God that they wanted their children to know. So David is saying, tell your kids how God has worked in your life. Tell your kids those wonderful things that God has done in your life so that they too can put their trust in God. This morning as we begin, I want to tell you this. Don't depend on some TV pastor to save your kids and lead them to Jesus Christ. Don't depend on me or any one of our pastors to lead your kids to Jesus Christ. We'll do our best, but don't depend on our church to make sure that your kids and your grandkids put their trust in God. Parents and grandparents, make sure that you tell them about God, that you tell them how God has saved you and what God has done for you in your life. It's up to you. And if we want to see God move in the lives of our kids and our grandkids, you've got to talk about what God has done in your life, in the previous generations, 
what he's done in your lives. Now, one of the great stories in the Old Testament is the story of Elisha, especially when he was on his deathbed. Prophet Elisha, he was old, he was dying, his time was short. Prophet. One day, the young king of Israel, Joash, went to see Elisha on his deathbed. The new generation of leadership, Joash, went to see the old generation, the old prophet, Elisha. And when he enters the prophet's house, the old prophet of God from the previous generation, sick as he was, he somehow stands up, gets out of bed, and he stands up. And young king, now facing a fierce battle, he sees Elisha standing up, and he runs to him, and he's crying, and he goes, what should I do? And the old prophet says, pick up the bow and pick up, pick up your arrow. So he does. And then the, old, the Bible tells us what the old prophet did. As the young man picked up the bow, put the arrow on the bow, and pulls back the arrow at the window of the house, facing a battle coming his direction. Then we find the old prophet Elisha coming up behind him and putting his hand on the hand of the young man. And then he whispers in his ear and he tells him what to do. Right there, folks, we have the picture of the young generation and the old generation working together for good. The young generation and the old generation coming together for God and God's purposes. Listen, as we begin this morning, I'm sensing in my spirit that there is a healing coming in what we have called for years the generation gap. There's a healing coming. In fact, I think the next great move of God is not going to come just from the young people and not just from the older people, but from a combination of young people and old people working together and standing together. And by working together in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, we will overcome the schemes and the plans of Satan that's coming against our, our, our culture and against our world. And together we will proclaim the message of Jesus to our world. So listen close. The old absolutely need the strength and the vision and the endurance of the young. And if you're older, say amen. Amen? amen. We need the vision and strength and endurance of the young. And the young certainly need the wisdom and the experience and the faith of the old. And if you're young, say amen. Amen? All right. All right. Awesome. We do. We really do. To reach the young and the old in our city, in our nation, in our world, it's time for us, young and old, to work together. Now listen, in the past, God did miracles through the young and the old. What God was, he still is, the Bible says, same today and forever. What God did in the past, he will do again. He will do miracles through young and old. He'll do miracles through young and old working together. Once again, we will see the strength of the young and the wisdom of the old together reaching our world. Now, I don't know about you, but my heart is hungry to see God touch the next generation, to see the young come to know and follow God with all of our heart, to see the young people experience the blessings of knowing and following God like many of us have experienced my heart is hungry to see young people so filled with the love for God that they think nothing about giving up that boyfriend or that girlfriend that doesn't know and honor God. That they think nothing of breaking off from a crowd of friends who don't love and honor and follow God. 
My heart is hungry to see the next generation get on their knees, give their hearts to God, and then get up and serve God with all of their youthful strength that they may stir up this church and they may stir up this community and they may stir up our world and our country for God. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. amen. Come on, let's just give God, let's just say amen. But listen, for that to happen, the older generation has to start telling the younger generation the stories of what God has done in their lives. The older generation has to pass on to the younger generation what their faith in God has done for their lives, their, their work lives, their marriage lives, their family lives, all of that. We've got to tell it. David said in Psalm 78, tell your children the stories of what God has done. Five times in the Bible, the Israelites were commanded to tell their children the stories of what God has done. The first time God told the Israelites to tell their children about what he had done is in Exodus chapter 12. He said, you're to eat the Passover meal together. You're to sit down as a family each year. You are to remember how I spared your family, how I passed over your family and saved the lives of those who were following and obeying me. So listen, God was telling them to sit down with their families, eat the Passover meal together as a family. He was telling them to eat together, and as they are together, remember together what God had done. And where was he telling him, them to do that? In their home. In their homes. Parents, we need to get our families back to church, absolutely. But we need to give our families some church at home. Amen? we got to give our family some church in our home. It's interesting that out of the seven feasts that the Israelites were to observe, three of them were to be observed in the home. You see, if we're not careful, we'll only do church at church. And we'll never take church home. You're to make sure that your kids and your grandkids hear about God at home. You're to tell the kids and the grandkids the story of what God has done there at your home. The truth is, lots of people don't have God in their homes. Lots of people go to church, but a lot of people don't take God home with them from church. So my question as we get started this morning is this, how about you? Do you have God in your home? Are you telling God's stories to your children and grandchildren in your home? Do you have Bible reading in your home? I mean, we've got MTV in our home. We've got ESPN in our home. We've got HBN, HBO in our home. We've got internet in our homes. We've got cussing and fighting in our homes. Anybody want to be real honest? All right. We've got all of this stuff going on in our homes. But what we really need is God in our homes. And if you'll let him, he will come into your home. And then, just when Satan thought that he had gained control of your family through rebellion, through drugs, through alcohol, through premarital sex, through extra sex, or whatever, you just stand up and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen? Take God into your home. Now, if you need a fresh move of God in your home, start just telling your kids and grandkids what God has done in your life. In the past, start telling your kids and grandkids the stories of what God has done in your life. In Exodus chapter 12, it says, they sat down as a family 
and they ate the Passover meal. And then the kids would say, why are we doing this, mom and dad? Why are we eating this meal? And that's when they would tell them the stories of what God had done in their lives. The stories how God saved them and set them free from slavery. So what stories are you to tell your kids and your grandkids? What are they? Well, there, there are many stories you can tell, but here's the two most important ones. First of all, write this down. Tell your children the story of your salvation. Tell them the story of the moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. That you ask him to come into your life and, and, and save you and forgive you of your sins. I, I'm privileged. I'm standing here today as a testimony of one who got to hear that story from his parents. My dad told me his story. He told me how he needed a job as a young dad. And how a farmer hired him to build a fence. And so here was dad out in this Iowa cow pasture helping this Christian farmer build a fence. The farmer was a Christian and dad was not. And so there they were. They were digging post holes and they were putting posts in and they were stringing wire. And hour after hour, day after day, this old farmer was telling dad what God had done in his life and telling dad how he needed to come to Jesus Christ. And my dad told me, I so wanted to quit that job, <laughs> but I so needed that job. I kept showing up and I kept going. And one day he said, I was all alone in that Iowa cow pasture and God spoke to my heart. And I knelt down there by the post and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then mom told me that when dad came home and told her that story, she got mad at dad. <laughs> because you see, my dad was a guitar player. He was a singer and he had a dance band. And he and mom, all they lived to do was to party, drink and dance and play music. And they, they, they were just a part of this carousing crowd and that's all they did that's what they lived for and she's mom says she said if I give my life to Jesus Christ if I start going to church I'm going to lose all of my friends I'm going to lose all my party friends I won't have any friends and so she got mad at dad and she fought it and fought it for two weeks and one day God spoke to her heart in the kitchen of our house and she said I knelt by a chair there in the kitchen and I invited Jesus into my life and you know what? Because they not only did that, but because they told us the story, all of us kids, all three of us kids, they told us the story of their salvation. It impacted us kids. All of us, my sister, my brother, impacted all of us. And so today, every one of their kids, every one of their kids' spouses love and serve God. Today, all of their grandkids know and serve God. Many of their great-grandkids know and serve God. And the ones that are too young, they're being told about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so all over the United States, California, Kansas, Iowa, Tennessee, Illinois, wherever our whole family is spread out, we're telling people about Jesus. Amen? You see, when one dad... And one mom tell their kids about Jesus Christ. It can make a huge difference in their lives, but in the lives of people around the world. 
Now, I, I've told my kids my story of my salvation when I was just seven years old. And I was sitting in our church in Salem, Iowa, one Sunday night, and I wasn't really even paying attention, but all at once God spoke to my heart. And they invited us to come to the altar if we wanted to accept Jesus Christ into our life. And the conviction of God just came over me. I knew I wasn't living right. Even at seven, I knew I wasn't living right. I wasn't right with God. And so I went to that altar, and I invited Jesus Christ to forgive me and come into my life. I left that altar, and the church had kind of cleared out. I guess I was there a long time. I was confessing a lot of stuff, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I walked out to the car, and my folks were already sitting in the car getting ready to go home. And I get in the car... And mom says, Larry, what did you do at the altar tonight? And I said, I invited Jesus Christ to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and I would live for him. The moment I said that, it was like the love of God just washed me and cleansed me. I had a, sometimes you, you pray something in the altar and you make a commitment in church, you don't have a feeling. But the minute that I confessed Jesus was in my life, I just felt a washing, a cleansing come over me. You see, the Bible says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to wash us and make us clean. And I want you to know, that was 57 years ago. But that moment, still tender to me, changed my life. 57 years ago, but I will ne never forget that, and it's something I will never stop telling I've told my kids. Now I get the chance to tell my grandkids that story. Tell your children your story about that moment when you opened your life to God. Tell them about the time when you were living for yourself, for your pleasure, in sin. Tell them, be honest, that you were, you were messed up. Tell them that you were miserable, even, th even though you thought you were really living it up. Deep down inside, you were miserable. Tell them how God gave you the power to walk away from your sin. How he gave you the power to walk away from the bottle. How he gave you the power to walk away from the drug dealer or, or premarital sex. How he gave you the power to walk away from the crowd. How he gave you the power to forgive those who had hurt you. Tell them how he's changed you since you decided to follow him. Tell them how your God has filled your life with a deeper joy, a deeper peace, and a deeper hope than you ever had before. Folks, tell them. Tell your children in your home the story of your salvation. Tell them so that they will put their trust in God. That's the first story. But then the second story is this. Write this down. Tell your children the story of God's provision. His provision. Now, the Bible says for 40 years as the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, God provided manna for them every single day so that they could eat. And one day God said to Moses, put some manna in a pot, take it to the tabernacle, place that manna in that pot on the altar so that when the next generation comes and sees that pot, they'll ask, what is that? And their parents will tell them. That's there to remind us that when we were in the wilderness and we didn't have any food to eat, when our family were, were more broke than the Ten Commandments, that our God provided manna for us, that our God supplied for us. He took care of us. He, he met our needs. And parents, you need to do the same thing. Tell your children how God has provided for you. So here's the deal. When your kids come home from school or when they come home to visit, 
and they raid your refrigerator. They do that, amen, right? They go to the pantry, they go to the fridge. When they come home and they raid the refrigerator, and then when they walk up to their nicely decorated bedroom, and they open their beautiful mirrored closet doors, and, and they kick back on their sealy, posturepedic, wonderful, for-your-back kind of mattress, and they pull out their iPhone, and they begin to listen to music, and they begin to text their friends, I want you at some point to go to them and tell them it wasn't always this way. Mom and dad didn't always have all of this stuff. I want you to tell them there was a time when you didn't have so much. There have been times when the fridge was empty. There have been times when you had bills and the bank account was empty. And bills had to wait. Tell them that there was a time when Christmas was coming and you didn't even have a dime for any Christmas presents. But tell them that somehow at just the right time, God supplied. Tell them how God provided for your needs. Tell them that no matter where you have lived, no matter what your job was, no matter what your salary was, that God has always provided for you. Tell them. Tell your kids when they're kicked back in that nice bedroom that they're not blessed just because you have worked so hard, but they are blessed because you follow God and he supplied. Amen? That your God has taken care of you. They're blessed because you're a follower of God and, and he's your provider. They have what they have because he has provided it. Folks, tell your children the story of your salvation, the story of God's provision, so that when the time is right, they will put their trust in God as well. And why is this so important? Because the only way to keep Satan out of your home is to make sure that God is in your home. Amen? And for that to happen, you've got to take God into your home. And one of the ways to do that is to start telling God stories in your home, around your table, at bedtime, breakfast time. Whenever you think the moment is right, start telling God stories. Folks, Here's the bottom line. Now's the time to get your family back to church. Absolutely. But also to get God into your home. To really get God into your home. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, if you're willing to take God into your home and begin telling your stories to your kids, I'm going to ask you to do something physical. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, like never before, I'm making that commitment this morning. Just lift your hand wherever you are. I commit to take God into my home. Amen. All across this room. Awesome. Awesome. You can put it down. And now would you simply pray this prayer in your heart after me? Father, I commit to take you into my home. I commit to tell my kids the stories of what you have done. As for me and my house, we will serve you. And then this morning, maybe you're here and you've never given your life to God like I did when I was seven years old. Maybe you've never come to that place and that point in time where you said, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior, best as I know how, I'll follow you. If that's where you're at and you'd like to do that this morning, would you just pray that prayer in your heart after me? Dear Lord Jesus, 
Come into my life. Forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me clean. And best that I know how, I will follow you. It thrills my heart, Lord, that when we pray that prayer, it doesn't matter what age we are, where we are, doesn't matter how we failed, that you are right there and you are ready to do what we've asked. So for all those folks who just prayed that prayer, bless them. Let them have a sense, as you did me, that you have come into their life. You have forgiven them. You have washed them clean. That you're beginning to live in their life forever. This morning, with all heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you just let me know so I can pray for you this week? Just lift your hand. Nobody's looking. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Great. Father, now we just want to praise you. We want to worship you. You are so awesome. And yet, we as people living in this world, this culture, we get so distracted by so many things. But help us to keep these two things in our hearts and our minds and help us to share them with those people closest to us, especially our kids and our grandkids. Help us to let them know how awesome you are. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.